Let's look at Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm inspired to read this and instruct along these lines tonight. I just have to find a good place to start. Verse 32, Hebrews 10, 32. Hmm. Let me say this before we start, before we start reading. The Lord is gracious, and the Lord is merciful, and the Lord is kind, and He will, in His goodness and grace, He will come along sometimes and give us a boost when we're open, when we're here, when we're making ourselves available to what he would say, what he would do. He will give us a boost to help us out of the rut that we are in because of our own failure to act on his word. Everybody understand what I'm saying? In other words, it's not his fault. We oftentimes are in situations because we didn't act on what we knew to do. But God is merciful. And so He'll give you a boost. Now, sometimes if you're, you know, playing with your little children and they want to get up on the monkey bars, but they're too short, you give them a boost. You help them up. Or if they want to climb a tree, but they can't get to that first part, you know, or want to climb up into a treehouse or something, you give them a boost and you get them up there. But how many know after you give them the boost, they still have to grab on? And they still have to take advantage of that. But sometimes their inability to get out of the place that they're in, it's just, it's just a reality. But again, the Lord wants to help us now. Sometimes, man, I just feel like I'm stuck in a hole. He'll give us a boost. But once you get the boost, keep going. Once He lifts you up, grab on. And keep going now and keep moving that direction because otherwise you could be back in the hole just right away. And I don't mean the Lord will never give you a boost again, but sooner or later we got to stop needing a boost. <laughs> yeah, I mean out of the same thing. Out of the same thing again and again, we've got to grab onto something. Amen. Now let's read, I think. Verse 32, but, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a, real, a great struggle with sufferings. Now, what is he talking about? The former days, he said, recall the way things used to be in your life when you got saved, when you were illuminated. What does that mean? When the light turned on, when you first came to a knowledge of the Lord, he said, think about that. Recall that to your mind. Be aware of the way things were then. You first saw the light. Oh, and everything was going to be all right. He said, you had great struggles, though. There, were, uh, there was a great struggle with sufferings. What was he talking about? Well, persecution. But they endured. He, verse 33, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. 
Okay, again, this is all dealing with the hardships and the persecution that they were enduring uh, and they had to put up with because uh, how many know we have to we have persecution in our day, uh, but it's different in every day and age and in different societies and different places. Uh, We all have to put up with some things if we're going to take a stand for the Lord. Okay, there's going to be some opposition. Verse 34, for you had compassion on me in my chains. So I believe this is Paul writing this, talking about because he was in jail a lot <laughs> and in uh, change and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Think about that. He said, remember now, remember how it used to be. Look what happened. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. In other words, because you're saved, they would come and take your stuff. Oh, you're a Christian, huh? And they could walk away with your TV. And there's nothing you could do about it. You're a Christian, huh? And they burn down your house. And you smile all the way walking down the street. Didn't they? With joy, they thought. You know, and you can read other accounts. of people. They, they, they considered a privilege to suffer for the name of the Lord. I mean, they were so aware of their forgiveness and their salvation. It's like, what? You're going to beat me for this? Cool. I mean, I mean, how much sense does that make naturally? You know, in the first part of the book of Acts, you know, they, they beat him and stuff and said, don't preach, and, and they, they counted it a privilege. <laughs> I think there was something going on on the inside that overrode everything else going on around on the outside. Otherwise, I don't know about you, but I'm preaching this right now, and that's pretty easy. But if, for me to wrap my brain around that, it's like, oh, no. I don't think I can be happy about a beating. I don't think I can be happy about the plundering of my goods. But the reality is there is something more powerful than anything natural that we ever enjoy or experience or have earned or have built up over time. I tell you what, the power of God, the grace of God, what He's given us, if we have a full understanding, eyes wide open about that, we can deal with anything. We really can. You know, there's a tendency within the human condition, I think, where we, our eyes are open to some things and closed to others. You know, have you ever heard the, the, the saying when you get married, uh, you know, before you're married, you should be in that relationship with eyes wide open. And then after you get married, you close them halfway. And that will sustain your relationship. <laughs> And uh, what, what happens sometimes in, in, in spiritual things is, is we get our eyes open to the wrong thing. We are fully aware of all the hardships and all the difficulties and somewhat close to the reality that we've been redeemed. We've been purchased by God Himself, the Father of all. He loves us and has taken up residence inside of us. And there is nothing too difficult for Him. The greater one now lives in me. Think if I can live with my eyes wide open to that all day long. That's the only way we're going to have this joy in a plundering. (laughs) Be privileged to take a beating. You know what I'm talking about? But He's telling them here, because of their current oppression their current stuff what they're being tempted to do he said i want you to recall the way you used to be i want you to recall the way that you used to think oh man that's a message for so many 
man, people get saved. They're so thrilled. and They come early, sit close, taking notes in church, worshiping God in the car on the way home. Can't help but tell their friends about what happened to them. They're just excited about the Lord all day long, every chance they get, but get saved for a few years. You know, be a Christian for a while. Got all the certificates. Went through all the classes. Now show up every other week. Huh? Strolling in late. Haven't told anyone about Jesus for a couple years. Praise the Lord half-heartedly, you know. Never shed a tear. Never laugh out loud. Never dick. You know what I'm talking about? It's just because what's going on here? I think this would be a good word. It's time to remember. It's time to recall the way things used to be. I know some I'd like to, I wish I could, you know, play a video back. And say, so I remember when. I remember when I saw you on the front row jumping and shouting. And you could hardly contain yourself. You were so on fire for God and so hungry for the things of God. But look at you now. Is this better? Now you're sad. Now you're just kind of wallowing, wallowing around in the muck and the mire. What happened? God didn't change. What happened? We changed. We did. What do we need to do? Remember. Call to mind the way we used to be. Why can't we stir that up again? Come on. Has there ever been a time in your life where you were more stirred and more hungry and more on fire and more... You know, full of the things of God. Why can't you be that way again? I don't see any reason why we can't. Huh? Think about it. If every person who's been saved for 5, 10, 50 years acted not in the maturity sense, because the maturity is good and the depth of knowledge is good, but if we could act in the, with the enthusiasm and the hunger and the desire for the things of God, like we did that first year. I wonder what a church service would look like. I wonder what a city would look like. I wonder what our neighborhood would look like. Come on now. Verse 34 now. For you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing... What? Knowing, that's talking about calling to mind again, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Is it possible to live mindful that everything we experience and live in today is temporary? And that what really matters and will matter forever is actually in heaven? It doesn't mean we shouldn't have faith for today and experience God's blessings today, but we should all do it with a grain of salt, knowing that whatever we build up, whatever we store up, is just going to be a pile of ashes one day. And so really, if worst case scenario, you lost it all, but you retained your faith and confidence in God. You retained your stand for Him. You continued in a hunger and a thirst for the things of the Lord that you really haven't lost anything. Huh? You really haven't lost anything. Verse 35, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Why would, why would they be told that? It's because they were being tempted. 
to cast away their confidence. They were being tempted. Now I'm saying this tonight because of what the Lord dealt with me earlier today in my time of prayer. I'm saying there are those present here tonight who are tempted to cast away their confidence. And the Lord wanted me to help you know how to stay in the game. Know how to put up a fight. Know how to stand in the midst of a struggle. Know how to not be weary and back down, but stand up in the power of His might. And you can continue. You can make it through. You just need to call to mind the way things used to be. The way, the way, you, uh, the way things were when you were stirred up and when you were... Man, you were in faith, and no one could talk you out of it. No one could convince you otherwise. But no, I'm going to stand for Him. But through circumstances in life and the pressures and the cares of this world and all the things that have come against you, been tempted to cast your confidence away. But we must learn. Not only is there the boost from the Lord that we're getting right here now. He's given given us a head start. He's given us a help up. He's given us some momentum. Come on, we're getting up, getting a little more momentum. But now, 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 we have to learn. We have to know there's our part in this where you don't cast away your confidence. You don't give it up. You don't set it aside. But you continue in His Word and in His Spirit to abide. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Think about that. Man, if we hold on to it, we're going to be rewarded. There's great, great reward in remaining confident with God. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Amen. You get confident, you do the will of God, and you see the promises of God manifest for you. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not tarry. Just just a little while, and that was a while ago. Just a little while. But I tell you what, we're all going to say this. And that was quick. We're going to say, oh, it was a little while. (laughs) Whereas now it seems like a long while, but no, just a little while, he's coming. He said, now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The Lord is not pleased when we shrink back, we fall back, we step away, we cast away our confidence. No, but Paul went on to say, I believe it was Paul, he, he, verse 39, but we are not of, uh, not of those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. And so they had opportunity. There was pressures from without. There were people pressuring, persecuting, taking their stuff away, just heavy-duty pressure, trying. And the enemy was working through that to one end, to get them to cast away their confidence. The enemy can't steal your confidence. He can't force it out of you. He can't take it away from you. He can't sneak up in the middle of the night and and take it away. When you wake up, where'd it go? My confidence is gone. The only way it happens is we give it up. We give it up. How do I give it up? A lot of it has to do with what I'm calling to my mind. What I'm calling to my mind. What I'm putting my mind on. Amen. Praise God. I believe the greater one lives inside of us for a reason. For a reason. 
Let's look over at uh, Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's a good question. You know what the answer is? Nobody. Nobody effectively. I mean, there'll be people against us, but he's saying they won't successfully be against you. Not if God is for you. I mean, what does that tell you? You're going to win. You're going to overcome. As long as you don't cast away your confidence. Come on now. So how do I do that? This is one way. You read Romans 8, verse uh, 31. Seriously, you read that. Or you say that out loud multiple times. You remind yourself. Say, so how often? Until you're not tempted to cast away your confidence anymore. And, and until, until the pressure lifts. Listen, the devil doesn't have patience. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. You do. That means if you stay with it, he gives up. That means after a while, he'll go... Man, is this person ever going to quit? And there we are, standing strong, greater ones than me. God before me, who can be against me? And we just stay that way. How long do we do that? Why would we ever quit? We got the Spirit of God inside us who is not a quitter. Got that victory. Amen. It goes on to say, for he who did not spare his own son... But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. This is just saying God's on our side. Who is he who condemns? Well, it's Christ who died. And therefore is also risen. Who, who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. So God's not against you. He's not condemning you. He, he's not bringing you down. He's... Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Someone said, I, I went through all those this week. <laughs> but here's the good news. It didn't separate you from the love of God. Even in the midst of that, God's not condemning you. He's not against you. He's not, he's not opposed to you. He's still in you to cause you to come up and to overcome. To be victorious. Every single time. He, he said, as it is written, verse 36, For your sake we are killed all, all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. You know what, what just in short, what it, what it means to be more than a conqueror? That's a lot better than being a conqueror. All right. And simply because if you're a conqueror, you have to actually win the battle. But if you're more than a conqueror, that means somebody else wins it for you and hands it over. That means you didn't even have to really engage in the battle. Now, our fight is just a faith fight, but how many know faith is a rest? So how do we win? Well, we don't in one sense because Jesus won for us. Now we're more than winners. We're more than conquerors. He fought the battle. He won the prize and said, here you go. You can have it now for free. And that's why we sing about His grace. 
That's why we're never going to exhaust the songs about God's grace and His mercy and His kindness for all eternity. We'll be mindful that He won the battle and we rode His shirt tail, His coattails. We rode on in on Him. Amen. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tell you what, God loves you. You're going to make it. Praise God. Let's go to 1 Samuel. First Samuel. Chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30. Again, I believe it's right for us to know how to stay confident. We need to know how to stay in the game. How to not quit, not give up, not back down of our the confession of our faith not back away from our stance of faith not back down from i'm going to win i'm going to overcome i'm going to be victorious i'm not going to go under i'm not going to go down but by god's grace and strength i will overcome we need to know how to do that and how many know the thing is we are not going to be around someone else to lift us up 24 hours a day. It's like it's like uh, spiritual food, food that feeds our faith. If you rely solely upon a pastor to feed you, you're only going to eat a couple times a week. How, how many would get along by that physically? When, what, what are you eating today? Well, eating today? I don't eat today. I only eat on Sundays and Wednesdays. <laughs> You would be a weak, skinny person, right? And likewise, if you know, we have to understand that it's important that we know how to feed ourselves. I know how to pray myself and get my own answers. I know how to worship myself without a band, without a leader, without a congregation, without a group of people. I know how to tap into the things of God. Because how many know these things are essential and necessary for us to stay in the game? You'll lose your confidence if you don't do these things. You will. God won't change His love for you, but you'll be unaware of it. You'll be more mindful of the mountains and the problems and the persecutions and the troubles that are all around you. And that's where the temptation comes in to go. <sighs> Chapter 30, 1 Samuel, not verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captives of the women, whose, uh, whose, those who were, who were there from small to great, they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went on and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Is this a good day? This is a bad day. <laughs> then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more, no more power to weep. Sometimes it's hard for us to catch the emotion, reading it off a page here. But just picture, I mean, these are big, tough guys. 
David's mighty guys and soldiers, what are they doing? They're bawling. This is a serious deal here. City's gone. Their families are gone. I mean, you just walk into town, everything's gone. Uh, verse 5, Then David and David's two wives, we'll not talk about that right now, <laughs> Elhinoam, the Jezreelite tests, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Okay, so he's got additional problems, right? House is gone, dog's gone, wives are gone, <laughs> family's gone, and everyone around is looking at you and they have a rock in their hand. Because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want you to notice that response. This is how David dealt with the pressure, the attacks, the temptation to say, Stuff this. What did I ever do? When did I sign up for this? (laughs) You know, (laughs) we sometimes ask that in ministry too. Uh, you know, I thought I was just going to be a preacher. <laughs> you know, thought I thought we'd just preach the word, and and uh, and uh, what is this? Stop this! <laughs> but yet, listen, we all have to learn to do this. But David strengthened himself. Who strengthened him? Now, it's nice to have others who will help help you and strengthen you, but what if everyone else has a rock? <laughs> what if everyone else is so grieved and they're hurting so bad and there's no one else around you that's going to help lift you up and say, oh, it's going to be all right? I mean, as tough a day as I may have had at some time in my life, I don't think I've ever been where I couldn't find someone who would say, it's going to be all right. You're going to make, you know, I don't think I've ever had everybody against me. He did. And yet he still came out of this because he took responsibility and said, okay, I've got a choice here. I can cast away my confidence. I can give up. I can run ship. I can let them throw rocks at me. I can do it. He strengthened himself. That's not talking about a physical thing where he went to the gym and got pumped up. He strengthened himself as far as his emotions were concerned. As far as his confidence, uh, you know, some translations use the word encourage there. He encouraged himself. What do you do if no one's encouraging you? Do you know you have the power to encourage yourself? I mean, is it easy? No, you kind of have to make yourself. You you definitely have to exercise some commitment and self-discipline to say, it's going to be all right. Or, you know, read the scriptures where God has promised you victory and he said he'd be with you and he said, said he'd strengthen you and help you and if you call upon him, he'll answer you. You can go to his throne and get grace and, and you remind yourself of these things, but, but you have to do it. You have to do that for yourself. And what happens if you don't strengthen yourself? You don't get strengthened and you may not make it. You're saying I might not make it? I'm saying you might not make it. I know some people who didn't make it, but it's because when they got into the tough times, when things really, the pressure was really on, they just didn't do the right thing. But how many know it's a choice we make? I choose whether I'm going to run or whether I'm going to stay. I choose whether I'm going to look to the Lord or where I'm going to flesh out and grab some 
grab some, you know, alcohol or a drug or something like that. I can fix it. You can fix your temporary feelings a lot of ways. Hmm. But he strengthened himself in the Lord as God. He didn't drink his problems away and say, oh, I'm just not putting up with this anymore. I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And he went away. So how do you strengthen yourself? Again, I believe, like Hebrews, you call to mind. You remember certain things. You remind yourself of God's promises and His Word. You get in your own mouth. Because what's the first temptation when the pressure's on? Man, you want to cuss. <laughs> you want, and if that was a part of your past, you do. You want to say negative things, you want to spew, you want to complain, you want to blame, you want to do all kinds of stuff. But if you can get God's Word in your mouth at that time, now you're coming up and you're coming out. Amen. You control your mouth, you control your life, you control the direction of your future. And you begin, I'd encourage you, man, start to praise God. Start to praise. Thank you, Lord, you are my strength. I praise you that you are my ability. I praise you that just like you were to Paul, your grace is sufficient to me. It's sufficient for me. And right now when I'm feeling mighty low, feeling mighty weak, and get off of that real quick. I'm feeling weak. I thank you. Your grace strengthens me. It enables me. It empowers me. And according to your word, I am strong in you. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to make it. Don't get me wrong. If you do that for three minutes, I'm not saying it's done. Because if the problem is big and the pressure is on, as soon as you stop, it's there again. (laughs) It's looking you right in the eye saying, I'm still here. (laughs) What are you going to do? We stay. We stay with it. God will never change. His word will never change. And you stay with it. And you keep strengthening yourself, encouraging yourself in the Lord. Amen. Can we do that? We can and we must. We absolutely must. And for those of you that, man, I tell you what, it's right here. It's right now. It's today. Would you hear the word of the Lord? He wants you to know how to stay. How to not cast your confidence away. How to remain and come up and be strong. He doesn't want you to go down. He doesn't want you to give up. He doesn't want you to lose this this battle. He sees what's, what's before you. Sometimes, especially in the heat of it, we don't see hardly anything. He sees what lies before you. He sees what's just ahead. He sees what you can't see. And He knows that your decision at this point is critical to entering into that new place. Entering into that place of provision. That place of God's sustenance and grace. Remember the, the guy, the, uh, was it the centurion who had the servant that was dying? He sent his servants to Jesus. I think it's Matthew 8. And he was. Uh, they got word on the way that your servant is dead. And Jesus looked at him. And Jesus said immediately, he said, he said, do not, what did he say? Fear. Do not fear. He said, only believe. Yes. Yes. Right at the point where he knew this is critical right now. Yes. This person has an opportunity 
to lose the battle or to win it. And right at that moment, we, he got the last, the, the bad report. You might have been there. It's like bad news, bad news, bad news. And you think, okay, whew, finally, I'm making it up. And right when you think you're coming out, bad news. <laughs> and you say, oh, not another one. And that's when the Lord looks at you and says, do not fear. Do not fear this, this report. Only believe. And at that point, at that point, you've crossed over into something. But it's this decision right there. You go the wrong way, okay, you're just going to lose that battle. But if you say, okay, I'm only going to believe. I refuse to. And say it out loud. Come on. I refuse to worry. I refuse to fear and doubt. But I put my trust in the Lord. Put my confidence in you, Lord. You're bringing it about. You're bringing it to pass. You're bringing it into being. Amen. Then you got the victory, just like he did. Yay. Amen. I hope that was sufficient. Praise God to help us. You can read the rest of the story. David got everything back when he did that. They got everything back, didn't lose anything. And uh, both wives. (laughs) <laughs> someone said well that's not a victory <laughs> two wives was never God's plan amen even back in those days when they were doing some of that amen well praise God let's pray Father we just love you tonight thank you for your goodness thank you for helping us Thank you for leading us in the way we should go. You're helping us, Lord. We value and treasure this above everything else. We're going to make it. We're going to stand. Lord, we're going to stand. We're going to stay. We're going to raise our voice and proclaim the victory that is ours in Jesus. Thank you for helping us to stay and be strong today. We're so thankful, Lord, in Jesus' name.